you'd like to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2, we will continue in our study through the seven churches in Asia that John has been instructed to write to. This is not um, intended to be a comprehensive study, but rather just a, um, a brief overview of each one of these um, letters or each one of these messages um, to these congregations, to these churches. And we'll see what we can learn from that. We, we see it helps us a little bit in our understanding and the way the book of Revelation is written. Uh, it's kind of an introduction to that, and I hope one day that we might be able to study the book of Revelation in more detail. Um, so that's kind of the, the idea behind these lessons. Last week, or actually two weeks ago, we looked at the church in Ephesus being the first church on the list here in the beginning of chapter 2. And this week we'll look at the church in Smyrna. So if you're there um, in Revelation 2, we'll read from verse 8 here in just a moment. Just as a reminder, um, we looked at this last week. We won't go through all this in much detail. Um, but just as a reminder about John's vision, that he's on the Isle of Patmos. He has a vision on the Lord's Day. And he's instructed to write the things that he sees as one of the things. Um, he says, notice, write in a book what you see and send it to the churches. And, and one of the things that is important about understanding the book of Revelation is the symbology that's in the book. Um, these messages to these churches um, follow more of a um, what we're typically used to seeing, that Jesus is speaking um, and the words are recorded. Uh, that's typically how we see the books of the New Testament written. Um, but the rest of Revelation is more symbolic. Um, so that just is kind of an introductory into this style of writing, is a lot of things that John is seeing, he's trying to describe as he's writing down. Um, and like I said, that plays a little bit more into the later chapters. But here... Um, there's a very specific message given to each one of these churches that our Lord gives to John, and he's told to write these things down. And we see that John has a description of Jesus here in the first few verses um, of chapter 1, and Jesus describes himself at, towards the end of chapter 1. And those descriptions are very important, and we'll look at that, that a little bit more detail, um, because the message to each one of these churches contains part of that description, and it kind of plays into the way... Uh, these messages are put together and the way that Jesus or John describes um, himself, Jesus, is important in each one of these lessons. So we'll look at that here in just a moment. Actually, let's look at that now. Um, that was my next slide. Um, these descriptions of Jesus, um, we looked in last week at the church in Ephesus. Um, there's a description given of Jesus that he's in the middle of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man from verses 12 and 13, and then from verse 16, and he has in his right hand seven stars. So if you'll notice there, if you're in chapter 2 in Revelation, um, verse 1, how Jesus describes himself. He says to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands says this. And we talked about that last week and the idea of Jesus being among the lampstands and those lampstands representing the churches, each one of these seven churches having a lampstand 
um, in heaven and how that puts Jesus in the, in the um, spiritual realm, but being concerned with the churches. And that's why he writes these messages to each one of these churches. He's concerned about what's going on. He's taking an active role in these churches and telling them that they, for the most part, each one of these, need to repent of something. Um, so we see Jesus being active, and we looked at that, and that goes towards the description of him, that he's among the lampstands, and he stands there in that place. So for Smyrna, um, in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 1, Jesus says, I am the first and the last, and the living one, and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. So we read that in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 1. So when we come to the description that Jesus gives for himself when he, reads, when he has the message for Smyrna, it says there in chapter 2 and verse 8, the first and the last who was dead and has come to life. So those descriptions, again, that we pull out of chapter 1, go into the next couple of chapters into each one of these churches, into the description that he gives of himself. And we see him, um, we'll talk about this first here in just a moment, um, but we see some things in here that helps us to understand the message that's going forth, and we see some descriptions of Jesus that help us appreciate and understand him even more. We know all sorts of things about our Lord because of the descriptions we have, and this helps us to appreciate and understand him all the more, to think about the ways that he's described. Um, and I'd just love to to hear this, the first and the last, who was dead and has come to life. And that is so important. We talked about this morning, that this morning in our, our message this morning, the resurrected Christ, and how important that is to the gospel message. So here we see that in this description to Smyrna. And we'll continue to look at these comparisons as we go through. To remind ourselves um, about the seven churches, um, we looked at Ephesus here on the map, if you can see that. Um, the next church uh, is Smyrna, and there's a list of them over here. And, and, and John is writing from the Isle of Patmos here where he is exiled. Um, we talked about last week um, just the geography of this, and we see a little bit of the importance in that. Um, <clears throat> I think if I turn off might help some. Uh, just geography-wise, uh, John is writing from the Isle of Patmos, and, he, and he's told to write in a book and send it to the seven churches. So if we just look at that statement and understand, if he were to write something and send it to Ephesus, what would be next? Smyrna, geographically, and then up to Pergamum, and then over to Thyatira, and then Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So just, we just see in geography-wise that it makes sense how this message is going forth. Um, so here we are, we're, this message is going um, to the church there that's in Smyrna. Um, the ancient city of Smyrna, we'll, we'll look at a few things about this. We saw on that map, it's about 40 miles or so north of Ephesus. Um, like Ephesus, it was a crossroad city, um, which meant there's lots of people in and out. Um, it was a bustling city. Um, trade routes and all those kind of things came through, Ephesus, uh, through Smyrna, like they did Ephesus. Um, one thing about Smyrna is that it was known for its beauty. Um, several things play into that. 
but it was known as being a, a very beautiful city. Um, and it was very loyal to Rome, which played into that. And because of that, they enjoyed um, mainly uninterrupted prosperity. Because they were loyal to Rome, um, they had the protection of Rome. And so they enjoyed having this protection. They enjoyed the prosperity um, that came along with that. Um, there was a, it's known for its agora, which was a, an open air market. Um, what we would call it today, or like a town center. Um, and it was known for having that in the city. Lots of these Roman cities um, would have something like that. A place where the people would gather, markets. Um, but Smyrna was known for theirs as well. Um, it was chosen for the temple to Emperor Tiberius. Tiberius was the emperor of Rome from 14 to 37 AD. And so uh, Smyrna was chosen um, as a city for this temple um, to honor the emperor Tiberius. The first city, um, I read a couple of different things that, that they, were, they wanted to be known as this. They, they were vying against Ephesus and other cities to be known as the first city. I also read another commentary that said that they were considered the first city. And what it means is they were first in beauty, in literature, and loyalty to Rome. So that's kind of what um, if you could ascribe that to them, um, their, you know, we had the show me state and the, you know, the different things like that these days. Um, that was kind of what this is, the first city. They wanted to be known as that. Um, the first in beauty, first in literature, uh, loyalty to Rome. So that's something that they esteemed to have and were proud of, it seems, from, from the readings I've, I've made. Um, and that may account for Jesus' designation. Um, we'll, we'll look at that a little bit more as we go here, but just keep the idea of this first uh, in the back of your mind. I don't have a lot of um, photos. In fact, I got one. Uh, this is, um, I believe this would, was what they think would be the, that agora. These are the ruins of that place. This is part of the, of the open air market. This colonnade um, probably lined a street, uh, much like we saw Harbor Street in Ephesus, with the colonnade going down the, down the street. That's probably what that was. Um, but you can see just from these ruins, um, the craftsmanship um, in, in, these, in these building materials and things like that, that this was a very prosperous city. Um, and that will come into uh, play a little bit too as to the message that's given to this city. Again, this is modern-day Turkey, um, where these, uh, these cities are today. So what do we know about the church in, in Smyrna itself? Well, we actually know uh, very little. The origin of the church in, in, in this city is unknown. Um, the, really, the only New Testament references we have are right here in this passage. So we don't really know a lot about the church that's in that was in Smyrna. All we have are these um, mentions of it. So let's go ahead and read then um, the message that's given to, this, to the church in Smyrna. Beginning in verse 8. Jesus here, our Lord speaking. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last, 
who was dead and has come to life, says this. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say you are Jews and are not, who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. As we mentioned uh, last week, there's a pattern that each one of these messages to the churches follow. And so we can see that here in this, this one as well. There's a salutation. There's Jesus' self-designation, how he describes himself to each one of these churches, which is what we looked at. Here he describes himself as the first and the last who was dead and has come to life. Um, we see the commendation of good. And remember, there's six out of the seven churches that are commended for doing something good. Uh, the only church left off that list is Laodicea, which has no commendation of good. Next, there's a, a condemnation of evil, and that applies to five out of the seven churches. The next thing in the, in the message is a counsel, is a warning um, and an exhortation. You know, Jesus telling them what they need to do, warning them or telling them what they need to do. And there's a promise of a reward if they overcome these things, if they overcome the trials that they are uh, experiencing. Jesus promises them a reward, and we see that in each one of these, of these messages. And then at the end, there's an invitation to hear what message has been given. He who has an ear, let him hear. So we see that in each one of the, of, of the messages as well. So for Smyrna, let's look at... Um, the salutation, which is the same to each one, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? We're going to talk about this angel of the church. Um, we're going to talk about that in another lesson. Um, so just stay tuned for that. In, in one of these lessons, we're going to go in a little bit more detail about that. But this is typical of each one of the other messages given to the angel of the church in Ephesus, in Smyrna, in Pergamum, right? And again, we've talked about the, de the designation that Jesus assigns to himself. And here in Smyrna, it's the first and the last who was dead and has come to life. Um, this first, remember what we talked about with, with um, Smyrna, saying they wanted to be the first city, the first in beauty, the first in, um, uh, in its loyalty to Rome, the first in literature. They seemed to have this idea that they were very uh, highly exalted. So we kind of see an interesting way that Jesus describes himself. I don't know if this is direct correlation or not, but it's interesting to think about. If, if this church was indeed um, self-promoting, self-aggrandizing to the point where they called themselves the first city, Jesus introduced himself and says, I am the first. He goes on to say, I am the last. Um, and we know from later on he will say, I'm the Alpha and the Omega when we get to the end of the book of Revelation. So just interesting, just something to think about there. The first and the last who was dead and has come to life. And like I mentioned, um, that's so important uh, to the gospel message. 
the resurrected Christ. Um, and it plays into the message that he's going to give them here about overcoming the second death. Be faithful unto, unto uh, death, and I will give you the crown of life. And he says at the, at the end, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So there's allusions to some kind of resurrection in the way Jesus describes himself, who was dead and has come to life. Next was the, the commendation of good. Um, he says here of the church in Smyrna, I know your tribulation and your poverty and the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. He knows the things that they are enduring. Um, and remember what we said about um, the affluency of the city of Smyrna. It's a crossroads city, lots of activity coming through, lots of commerce, probably a very well-off city. Um, but here, these seem to be struggling. Um, it says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. But he goes on to say, but you are rich. And I think that's an allusion to the idea that they're spiritually rich. They may be suffering in poverty, they may be suffering tribulation, but spiritually they are rich. And we can see that in that, in that sentiment. So here's the commendation of good. Your works, tribulation, poverty, suffering, that you are, you are yes, you are experiencing these things. Um, the condemnation of evil. And with this church, um, there is none. We don't have a condemnation of this church. So he goes on then to counsel. What's, what's, um, what's the uh, exhortation? What is it that you need to, to be doing? And for this, it says, do not fear. Don't fear these things that are happening, that the work of the devil, um, or the devil is at work, and you will be tested. He's warning them that they're suffering tribulation, and he, suffer, and he tells them that there's tribulation to come. If you look there, it says, verse 10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. So even though they are suffering through tribulations and, and already going through some hard times, Jesus is telling them they're going to suffer again, more. And he says there, Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. We'll talk about that number ten here in just a moment. He also says back up there, um, it says, And the blasphemy by those who say, in verse, the end of verse 9, And the blasphemy, blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Interesting words that he uses there, a synagogue of Satan. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus, when he is rebuking the Jews, he says that you are of your father, the devil. So Jesus was very harsh on these Jews who were trying to, to stamp out the message that was going forth. And the Jews during his time who were trying to um, trick him into things and were trying to ultimately trying to put him to death. He's very, very critical of them. So he says back there in John chapter 8 and verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. So it's very harsh words to say about those Jews who were, who were detracting from him. So it's not un, it's, it shouldn't be a surprise for us to read this kind of language in here. The Jews that are not but are a synagogue of Satan. Jesus sees black and white and good and evil, doesn't he? You're either of the Father, you're either on the Father's side, or you're on the side of the devil. And we can, um, we can be comforted by that. And we can also take the warning that's, that's implicit in that. If we're not with God, then we're against God. And we're of the devil. 
something to, to very much consider. Promise of reward for overcoming. And this, um, this section holds one of the great promises, one I quote often, about being faithful unto death and you will receive the crown of life from verse 10. But he also says there um, that you're not hurt by the second death. We're going to talk about that second death in a little bit more detail as well. So here's the promise of reward. There's tribulation that's coming your way. You're going to be tested for this amount of time. And if the, we'll get to that in just a second. For 10 days is what he says. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. If you overcome this, you will not be hurt by the second death. And then there's an invitation to hear what is said. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Um, so let's talk about um, these numbers a little bit. We mentioned last week about the number seven. And we were talking about that because of the seven lampstands, the seven stars um, that was introduced in, in those early scriptures in, in chapter one. And we, if you recall, we remembered about the seven being the perfect or complete number. And it's used some 54 times in Revelation alone. So it's an important number in this in the symbology um, that runs throughout, especially with these numbers. Seven lampstands, seven stars, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls of wrath um, that come into play in the, in the following chapters. So that seven is that perfect or complete number. And there's a lot of similarities with the number 10. So um, Jesus says there, you will be tested um, and you will have tribulation 10 days. Now, is that a literal 10 days? I don't know. Um, I tend to think that it's not. I tend to think that it's, it's a symbolic number, and we'll go into a little bit more detail about that. Or it could be a literal 10 days. Not, not really sure. But with the way the numbers work, and if you follow the, trace the numbers throughout Revelation, you'll see that they're more symbolic than actual. Um, and what the numbers that they... They represent something. That's why there's seven churches in Asia. That's complete number, the complete body um, of the Lord, the church. So this number 10, um, it appears many times in both covenants. We go back and look in the Old Testament. There were 10 plagues, remember? And we just talked about that this morning in, the, in Egypt when Moses was asking Pharaoh to let the people go. And, and Pharaoh refused, so God sent 10 plagues. And there's a, this idea of about, um, of about a favorite symbolic number suggesting of a rounded total, large or small, according to the circumstances. And that comes from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. So again, we have a, a, a complete number, um, but it, set, it suggests a rounded total. And it could be large or small. You know, the 10 plagues, that was a, a fairly large circumstance to think about these 10 plagues that would um, befall the Egyptians, whereas here we're talking about 10 days. So the, the contrast, but, but we see there in the definition about it, large or small, it still has with it that completeness about it, a rounded off number that means that is complete. Um, so like the number seven, we have in the number 10 being a complete number. Um, like in Revelation, we see ten kings, ten diadems, ten horns. Um, so it, it speaks to a, a fullness of power or rule. 
so when we see these 10 days, it could be a 10 days that are imposed on these people from a government. Could be that. Um, some kind of a complete number of time there. 10 is also the power number. So we see that in multiples of 10, like 1,000 or 144,000. So a lot of numbers are multiplied by 10 or some, or some factor of 10. So 10 is an important number. Um, and it, what it represents is a fullness to an unlimited degree. So we see that seven being a full number uh, or a complete number. We see 10 being a fullness and then from there expanded and multiplied. So that gives us a little bit of idea about the number 10. Is it a literal 10 days? I don't know. But it seems that what if we study the, the numbers in Revelation, it seems that it's speaking to a fullness of time, a complete um, time period that would take place. So let's talk for a minute about the, that second death. If you look there at the end of verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the, church, uh, what the Spirit says to the seven churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. What does that mean? What does that mean that he will not be hurt by the second death? Well, there's three other times that uh, John talks about the second death here in Revelation. If you want to look over in chapter 20 and verse 6, chapter 20 and verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So this second death, his first um, hint at it and understanding of it is over the victor, um, the second death has no power. As it says there, blessed is the Holy One who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. If we look further um, in chapter 20 over into verse 14, um, the second death is, de is defined as the lake of fire. There in verse 14 it says, And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And then lastly, uh, in 21 and verse 8, this is the ultimate destiny for the wicked. In verse 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 8 says, But for the cowardly and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is the death of the soul. This is the death that awaits those who are, are not found righteous, who are not um, counted among those of God's people. This is the second death. So when John talks about it, or when Jesus talks about it over here in chapter, 10, or chapter 2 and verse 11, he who has his ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So it's, it's similar to what he says up there, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life, the second death. Both sides of the same thing. So there's the message in that. So then what's the message to us? Part of our study and what I set out to do in, in us studying these is to take from these, you know, the application to us. You know, these, these words are still being spoken to us. And so what can we pull out of that, out of this little section here to help encourage and, and strengthen us? The first thing is that we, we still believe in a resurrected Jesus Christ. That is why we came together this morning to partake of the, 
of the body and, and the blood of our Lord. Because we believe in a resurrected Christ. If we don't, we're like Paul who says we are men most pitiable. This is part of the gospel message. And his, in his opening words to the church of Smyrna, it says the first and the last who was dead and has come to life. And like I said, this also speaks to those who, are, who, who shouldn't fear the second death. Those who will be given the crown of life, the allusions to um, the resurrected soul. We still believe in a resurrected Jesus Christ. We still face persecution. You know, part of the big part of this message that's going to Smyrna is I know that you're, you have these tribulations. I know that you're suffering and there's more to come. There's going to be a time period where you're going to suffer even more. And we suffer that as well. Fortunately, in this country, the country, the freedoms that we enjoy, we don't suffer very much from our government. We're not persecuted by our government. And we need to pray that that continue because there's lots of places in the world that's not so. Christians are being persecuted in all places all over the world. And we're very fortunate that we don't. But we still face persecution. Um, we've, we've, we see it on a more personal level. The church is not persecuted per se, but us as Christians are persecuted. And we know what that takes on in our workplace, in our families. That's where that persecution is. So we're still persecuted. And there's people in the world that are persecuted by governments. And they can take this message to heart as well. We still have periods of difficult times. You know, Jesus said you're going to suffer for 10 days. There's suffering ahead of us. We don't know when that might come. We don't know what form that might take on. But we can be rest assured that there's going to be persecution. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be tribulation in our lives. And what's our comfort in this? And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But we, we can be rest assured that there's tribulation and there's times of uncertainty that are ahead for us as well, just like there were for these here in Smyrna. Jesus is telling them there's a time coming up. But we still have encouragement through scriptures like these. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. We mention that often. That's the encouragement part of this, is that remain faithful to God. Continue to be faithful. Yes, there's, there's, you're, you're going through tribulation right now. There's tribulation ahead. But in both cases, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. And that's such a wonderful sentiment. And that's why we come to this scripture and point to that often. When we talk about remaining a faithful Christian. Remaining faithful to God. We still have the encouragement through scriptures like these and other places to be faithful. And if we are, there awaits for us a crown of life. Just like for these here in Smyrna, there awaits for us a crown of life. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So we have that as well. We have that encouragement. We have that same reward that these in Smyrna did. And we should not fear the second death. If we're found faithful in the end, if we are living a righteous life, and um, pass from this life in that state, we don't have to fear the second death. But we should make sure that we are working towards that. We never know when we might leave this earth. We never know when Jesus might come back. Only God the Father knows that. Only God the Father knows when Jesus will be sent back to earth. 
in that great second coming to judge the world. So we need to be ready for it. And in, in being ready, we must understand if we're not found righteous in the end, we face that second death. We face that lake of fire and brimstone. And that's a very fearful thing. So, message to the church in Smyrna. Next week, we'll look at the message to the church in Pergamum. So I hope you will be here for that. Um, we offer an invitation at this point. If there is any among us who need the prayers of this congregation, um, if you need encouragement, if you need uh, a helping hand, or if you have sinned in a public manner and need to make that right, you can do that now by coming forward to, as we stand and sing to encourage you.